Well, can you look back to something in your past that means your future is now secure? Uh, maybe your wedding day. As I look back on my wedding day, I know that till death do us part, Catherine will be my wife. Uh, maybe a friend has uh, cleaned the gutters in your, on your place so that next time it rains, your roof won't leak. Uh, or perhaps your parents set aside an, in, an emergency investment so that you know that if you ever come unstuck, there's a safety net there to catch you. Things done for us in the past to secure our future. Now that's Easter in a nutshell, isn't it? The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is something that God has done for us in the past and it secures our future. It guarantees our future, which is a good thing because the future is really dangerous. There's a danger ahead that you can't get yourself out of. But it's a danger you don't have to face, a danger you definitely don't have to face. As I said, we're going to be looking at verses 9 and 10 of Romans 5. And the point that's repeated for us is that what Christ has done for us in the past has secured our future. Christ's resurrection from the dead means that our future is now safe. Which begs the question, doesn't it? What's in the future that we need to be protected from? What's coming that we need saving from? Well, it couldn't get any worse. Because the wrath of God is waiting to be unleashed. Have a look at verse 9. Verse 9. Since we've been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Now it's clear in this verse that Christ can save us from the wrath of God, but more of that in a little bit. In order to appreciate Christ's salvation though, we need to come to terms with what he can save us from. And this verse plainly says that the Lord Jesus Christ can save us from the wrath of God. Now, God getting angry is not a popular idea. Um, not many people like it. It doesn't sound nice. Uh, God getting angry, it's, it's not welcoming. It's not warm. When you're considering a, a prospective husband or wife, uh, the ability to get angry, that's not usually high on your list, is it? And anyway, didn't we think about the love of God on Friday? So what's all this about God's wrath and God's anger? Well, the verse is very clear, isn't it? God's wrath is coming, whether we like it or not. And when we stop to think about it, we actually want God to be able to get angry. Because we all want God to love. And real love must have the capacity for real anger. If someone went and murdered Catherine... I'd be angry. And I'd be right to be angry, wouldn't I? I mean, if someone murdered your mum or your dad, your husband or your wife, if someone abducted your children, you'd be angry, wouldn't you? If I wasn't angry at the murder of my wife, wouldn't you be a little bit concerned? Wouldn't you wonder whether I loved Catherine in the first place? I mean, if I was indifferent to my wife, if I didn't care about her, well, then I might not get angry. But if I do care about it, if I love her, well, I'll get angry. And rightly so. Real love must have the capacity for real anger. And as we saw on Friday, God has real love. So he has real anger. The God who can do anything he chooses, God gets angry. Not 
out of control, fly off the handle, ballistic anger, but slow anger, true anger, righteous anger. Anger born out of love. God gets angry only ever because he loves. And the frightening thing is that he gets angry with us. Because he made us, he owns us, he gives us everything, we owe him everything, and yet we've betrayed him. We've been indifferent to him. We don't care about him. Sometimes we're openly rebellious toward him. We've ignored him, procrastinated about him, forgot about him, paid lip service to him, been embarrassed by him, like we saw on Friday. We're sinners. And God gets angry. God is angry. And a time is coming when God will unleash his wrath against sin. The Lord Jesus will return with his powerful angels to punish with everlasting destruction. Sin and sinners will be no more. Our betrayal of God is so enormous that his judgment must and will come. God is angry. But thankfully... His anger is born out of love. Because as enormous as our betrayal of God is, God's love is even greater, so much greater. And so as we saw on Friday, we see the love of God in the death of Christ. And because of his death, then we'll definitely be saved. We're up to point three on your outline. There's two uh, further ideas that we're going to tease out in verses 9 and 10. Two truths that spell out for us why being saved from God's coming fury is a certainty. The first idea is justification. Uh, justification is just a word that, that comes from the law courts. Uh, if you're justified by a judge, well, it means you've been found not guilty and you're free to go. Being justified is being found innocent. Now, in verse 9, we're told that the death of Christ has justified us. In other words, through Christ's death, we've already been declared innocent in the courtroom of God. Have a look at verse 9. Since we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? What a wonderful start to a verse. Since we have been justified by his blood. You see, for those who belong to Christ, our justification is a past event. It was won for us in the death of Christ almost 2,000 years ago. All sins taken away, all crimes against God paid for and removed. The verdict of God himself is, you can go free. Because God in Christ has already taken our place, taken our punishment, taken our judgment, taken his own wrath and our sin so that we can go free. Henry Lagardia was a mayor of New York uh, in the 1930s and 1940s, and he also spent some time helping out the courts by acting as a judge. And once, when Lagardia was serving as a judge, a trembling old man was brought before him, charged with stealing a loaf of bread. The man said his family was starving. Well, listen to Lagardia's verdict. Well, I've got to punish you. The law makes no exception, and I can do nothing but sentence you to a fine of $10, which in those days was a lot of money. 
And then Lagardia reached into his own pocket and said, and here's the $10 to pay your fine. You can go free. That's just like the way God treats us. We're the ones guilty of sin. God, our judge, has no option but to sentence us. But then God goes and pays our fine for us. Like we saw on Friday, Christ died for us. He paid for our sins so that we could be justified, declared innocent in the courtroom of God. Because of the death of Christ, we can walk free. Now the second idea in these uh, verses is reconciliation. Reconciliation just means uh, becoming friends. Uh, When you're reconciled to someone, it means that you were an enemy, but now you're friends. Well, in verse 10, we're told that the death of Christ has reconciled us to God. In other words, we were the enemies of God, but in the death of Christ, we've been made into his friends. Have a look at verse 10. For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? You see, we were God's enemies, but we've been reconciled to God through the, through the death of Jesus. This verse picks up on uh, some of the ideas we saw on Good Friday. On Good Friday, as we looked at verse 8, it was while we're still sinners that Christ died for us. Here in verse 10, verse 10 it's while we were enemies, Christ died for us. It's when we lived in opposition to God. It's when we're fighting against God. It's, it's when we were the enemies of God that Christ died for us. And through his death, Christ has reconciled us to God, changed us into the friends of God. I don't know whether you've ever had the discomfort and uh, unpleasantness of having an enemy, someone who insults you, hates you, embarrasses you, laughs at your children, robs you of your dignity. And not just once, but repeatedly. A continual atmosphere of enmity. If you can imagine it, picture putting yourself out for this person. And not just token efforts of being nice, not just ignoring them when they taunt you, but out of genuine love for them, you help them. Maybe with a project that they're working on. And despite this, the taunts and the ridicule and the insults keep coming And you keep loving them. You take a meal around to help them out because you hear that the whole family's sick. And then one day your enemy shuffles towards you. You can tell they're feeling awkward and they genuinely apologise. They try to destroy the relationship but they give in. They can see that you're already willing to be reconciled and so they're asking to be friends. Now that's a little like the way it is between us and God, except we're the bad guys. We're the ones who are God's enemies. We're the ones who treat God poorly. And yet it was while we were his enemies that God showed he's already willing to be reconciled. God's done everything necessary for us to be his friends. He's dealt with everything we ever did to try and destroy the relationship by taking our place and dying for us. If you're a Christian here this morning, you have already been reconciled to God as his friend through the death of Christ. Now as God's people, this is our wonderful past. We've already been justified, already been reconciled. And Paul's point in these verses is that because of these amazing things that Christ has achieved for us in his death, our future is secure. Because of Jesus, we have a wonderful future in store 
up to point four in your outline. Paul's point is that if we've already been justified, if we've already been reconciled, well then of course God will save us on the day that he comes to unleash his wrath. This is the punchline of verses 9 and 10. If God was um, breathtakingly generous to us when we were his enemies, well how much more will he be good to us now that we're his friends? Our future salvation is guaranteed. It is a done deal signed with the blood of Jesus himself. Have another look at verses 9 and 10. Since we've been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? See, now that we're the friends of God, we'll definitely be saved from his coming wrath. And did you hear that at the end of verse 10? We shall be saved through his life, through the resurrection life of Jesus Christ from the dead. We will be saved from God's wrath. This is something of the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. When the resurrection, resurrected Lord Jesus comes to unleash God's wrath, will he spare us? Of course he will. By his resurrected life, he'll resurrect us to life. As we remember Christ's resurrection, we anticipate our own because through his life, he'll save us from the wrath of God. We will share in his eternal life. The resurrection life of Christ Jesus will become our life as well, saved from the wrath of God through his life. And so we'll share in his life that is free from pain and shame. We'll share in the life that is free from fears and tears, free from sin and death. No more betrayal, no more ignorance, no more sin, no more wrath, just the blessing of salvation, the gift of eternal life and life to the full, life as it was meant to be, life lived for God, under God, to the glory of God. In his death, the Lord Jesus Christ has already justified us. He's already reconciled us and so by his resurrection he will save us. He will. And so this Easter Sunday as we remember Christ's resurrection life, let's remember his resurrection life that will definitely, certainly, assuredly, without any shadow of a doubt, save us on the day of God's wrath. But if you're sitting here this morning and you're unsure of Jesus, if you're unsure of heaven and hell, if you're unsure of where you stand with God, then know this. The Lord Jesus can fix it all for you. You don't have to do anything. The Lord Jesus does it all. His death can justify. His death can can reconcile. His resurrection life can save you from the coming wrath of God. So look to Christ. Let him deal with your sin. Let him deal with the wrath of God because he can and you can't. But for those of us who have already been set free from sin, those of us who have already been changed from the enemies of God into the friends of God, those of us who already have our future salvation guaranteed, well, rest easy, won't you? Rest easy in what the Lord has done for you. 
your salvation is coming because your saviour is coming Jesus is risen from the dead as Paul says later on in Romans in chapter 8 if God is for us well who can be against us he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things for I'm convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future nor any powers neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord for if when we're God's enemies we were reconciled to him through the death of his son how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life Let's pray.